it's time for some podcast reviews. This review is from Aquins. Truly inspiring and uplifting women's podcast. Listening to each episode makes you feel empowered. Thank you for empowering women. Thank you so much, Aquins. I take them serious and you take them light. I go to bed early and you party all night. Our friends are saying we ain't gonna last because I move slowly and baby, you move fast. I like it quiet and you like to shout, but when we get together, it just all works out. Well, I don't know what planet Paula Abdul was living on when she sang her smash hit Opposites Attract, but I want the address and the directions. Because in my experience, being married to a man who on the surface was polar opposite to me, I can safely say it wasn't half as easy as just working out. I am Greek Orthodox, born and raised in the big city of London. Here's a boy from rural Tacoma and who didn't believe in God. I listened to pop music, he listened to rock. I liked to party, he'd never even tried alcohol when I first met him. I liked breaking the rules, he likes abiding by them. I am a neat freak and he could live in a tip and not even notice. So we had to put in endless hours of hard work, dedication and commitment to communicate constantly on our thoughts and perspectives so we could live and thrive cohesively. Now most people didn't think we would work out. My own father, God bless that man, didn't want me to marry Tom and he actually said no when he asked him for his blessing to marry me. And when I asked him why, he professed that he was just too different that he wouldn't understand my culture, and then I would be stuck in America all alone. Well, 19 years later, and I can personally say that yes, absolutely, in my case, opposites do attract, but I'm here to also say that attraction isn't enough. And so today I wanted to do a different kind of show. I wanted to bring on the hubby to discuss all the building blocks, lessons, and tactics we have learned along the way that has allowed us to have the long-lasting relationship everyone doubted. So welcome to Women of Impact Relationship Edition. Welcome to the show, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. I am always excited. I love filming with you, so it's a lot of fun. And hearing you like do the the sing, I guess, the Paula Abdul song made me want to run out and like listen to it. (laughs) I was going to sing and I was like, no, I I don't want to torture the audience. Um, But it's so interesting how our opposites have actually, I think, helped us really shape each other. And like, there are things that you've introduced me to that I didn't, wouldn't have been introduced to otherwise. And so it really helped me step out, step out of my comfort box. Um, but a lot of people actually, I think, the op- being complete opposites will be a detriment to their relationship long term. So how I want to actually do this episode is I've got multiple themes that I want to talk about and how if people are opposites, what are the tactics that they can um, do in order to survive and actually thrive in their relationship? So I've got religion, finance, kids and discipline, and how you're going to bring them up, habits, and then hobbies. Okay. So... I want to start got, with... Got a, got a couple dangerous ones in there. We've got some dangerous ones. Yeah, but I think by far the most problematic is children. Oh, interesting. No question. People break up over kids and money. That is it, my friend. Those right, are so the then, two that really fuck people up. Let's start with the finance. Okay. So with me and you, when I first met you, I was a saver growing up. Every single penny my mom ever gave me, 
pound pocket money I always saved. Um, and when I met you, you um, it wasn't that you were frivolous with your money, but you were in debt, and I'd never met any. Had, from, college, from college, I would like to yeah. point out. But actually, being not from, like I just being, racked up debt. <laughs> sure, but. but being from England, my college was free. Sure. So I'd never met anybody who had a college debt. Obviously, you were the first American that I dated, so, you know. But it was a shock that you were in debt. Um, and so let's Worried I was going to drag you down? <laughs> well, but, but the, you joke about it. But what if you could have, right? I did for a while, in fairness. So, so let's talk about that. A, where we came together with different types of financial situation. Yep. Or financial situation. And then when we married, we both had to alter the way we see money and spend money. So... Um, Talk to me about what the key things are that we have to address, first of all, and then how we get through it. So I, I really think that people don't understand the need for rules in their life in general. So um, how is money spent? And, and this is going to get into a, a sort of overarching theme that I imagine will come up over and over in today's conversation when you're talking about when do opposites become problematic. It's all around values. And that's, that's where people disconnect, that's where countries end up conflicting, is they just can't fathom that there is another valid way to approach the world. It's my way or the highway. And around money, man, you got a lot of like hidden values that people mistake for truth. Like when we first met, I was like, oh, so how much money does your dad give you as basically an allowance? And you were mortified that I would ask that because you had a value that was like, you don't talk about money. And I remember thinking, hmm, this is going to be a problem. Mm. So because, and look, I could not have said, oh, we have a collision of values here. That obviously is something that's come over time. But at the time, it really did hit me as, ooh, when someone has a conflicting value with you, they see the world in a way that you think is worse, less than, it really hits you in a visceral way of like, I don't like this. And when you have a visceral reaction, most people do not know what's happening. They, they just go with their neurochemistry. So they have the visceral reaction. And as Viktor Frankl said, between stimulus and response is a gap. And you get to choose how you respond. And like your whole life is in that moment. So if they know, oh yeah, this visceral response that I'm having is because we're having a collision of values. That's precisely what it means. So rather than have the argument about money, this isn't about money, this is about a value system. Mm. So where, what's going on here? So for you, money is not to be discussed. For me, that question wasn't actually about money. It was about open communication. Okay, so that was step one. So we had to process through that. Then you get to the real machinations of money. And I will just say, here's some good advice for anybody, literally no matter what phase of your life you're in. Off the top, pay bills. Then you need to be saving. You wanna save as rapidly as you can to get to the point where you have six months cash on hand, period. I don't care who you are, I don't care what your value system is, this is just reality. And we're recording this in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis, so I'm, can anybody say that that would be a bad fucking idea to have six months living expenses? Not, not cut your life to the quick, the way you live now, you can live without changing anything for six months. If you're unable to save, your lifestyle is out of control and you need to get your lifestyle to a point where you can save up to that. Because you only have two levers, the amount of money you make and the amount of money you spend. That's it, homie. So it's one or the other. Now, that is not something that I was good at when we met. That's certainly something that I've gotten more disciplined over time. But even in the beginning of our relationship, 
when you were like, hey, it's really, um, I come from a saving standpoint, I was like, that actually does make sense. Like, I've always been by myself. I've always kept my expenses very low, but there's no question that is a very smart way to approach it. So anyway, keep your expenses reasonable. Make sure that you save up enough money. Make sure that your bills get paid. And then after that, make sure that you have spending money that each of you control. So the other stuff is joint. The saving is joint. And whether one of you has a job, you both have a job, you save like that core amount. Now, how you break that up, that's up to them. If it's, all right, you make 30% of the money, I make 70% of the money, then you contribute 30% to all the bills and I contribute 70% to all the bills. To me, that makes sense. I've always been like, I'm always trying to get to the point where it's, it's just, 50 50 right so in our case i was the only one making money but i was like yo this is the life that we have chosen this is 50 50 i don't think of it as my money that i give to her it's like this is 50 50 this is the life that we've structured now, Which, was, that was something that was actually difficult for me and we had to talk through because i didn't want to think that i had to come to you for permission and that you were making the money and then you were just giving it to me me and you when you went to work and i was going to stay at home we spoke through it we sat down from day one all right how much do you think we should say this is how much i think i sh- we should say and we went back and forth and really laid out everything so that we were all were both on the same page from the get-go and we approached that with no judgment of each other because actually when i first met you i actually did judge you a bit because you weren't conscious of saving like I was, where like for me, it's like if I can see like a cheaper way of doing it, I was like, oh, let's do that. But you weren't very conscious like that. And so I was just like, but he's the one that's is in college there and I'm not. And there was a bit of like judgment there. Yeah, I'm not, not, I'm not sure that that's a bad you. thing uh-huh. to be fair. I, I don't know. So how about this? It is a very predictable thing. And when you have a collision of values, guaranteed part of that visceral reaction is judgment it's they're doing it wrong that the way they do it is wrong the way that i do it is right Mm -hmm. now whether it should be that way or not we can set aside for a second i will just say i don't have a problem with that you judge me when our values collide and i judge you when our values collide that that is going to be the discussion that there is a right way to do this a right way now let's define right what are your goals Mm. One of the ways moves you more effectively towards your goals than mm. the other. So that, that's what I mean by right. I don't mean they're better or more worthy. Okay. I just you. mean that we have a goal. If we're coming at this with opposing values and we have a shared goal, then it's like, well, look at it. Which one of these is actually going to leave it, lead us there? Now, if you haven't mm. come up with shared goals... That's a whole nother thing that you have to talk about. In fact, I think that's where we you need to start, right? What is the goals? Like with Quest, right? You came in and you're like, baby, if we do this um, and it doesn't succeed, we lose the house. So here I am, you know, we've been married, what was it, like seven years or something at that point, eight years. And you came back and you're like, we just bought our first house and I was so freaking excited. You're like, yeah, if we lose it, then, or if the company doesn't succeed, then we lose it. And so... But in our discussions of agreeing on what our goals are as a team was what made me say, yeah, absolutely. But if we hadn't had the discussion about what are our goals together from the get-go, you coming home and saying, oh, yeah, I want to, you know, put the house up for, you know, as a risk of a protein bar company. And I have no idea. I've never made a protein bar in my life. I think I probably went, are you fucking nuts? 
But because I was, we were so invested in, we're going to do this together. We're going to build something amazing together. We're going to make movies. That was definitely the goal at the time. But it's like to make movies, we have to take risks. And so we agreed that that was the path we were going to go on. Yeah. So on goals, there was an episode of Impact Theory I did with a guy named Casper Craven, and he talks about he and his wife were really at a at a dark place. And they weren't sure if they were going to stay together. And they thought, why don't we write down shared goals and spend like a year or two years living towards those goals and see um, what that does. And he said, even just the act of sitting down and dreaming together, he said, was was so bonding. And he said, we laid out like all of our dreams. You know, here are my seven things I want to do with my life. Here are her seven things she wants to do with her life. He said, there was only one that overlapped. And he said, they just clung to that one thing. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. We both share this dream and now let's go for it. They wrote it down, which is so powerful and hung it up on the wall and then just said, everything serves that goal. And I, that's so clarifying one for you and then unifying for a couple. That's Super okay. powerful. So just going back to money. So assuming that you have the shared goal of what you're trying to accomplish, then the collisions of values will all revolve around which one is going to move us towards the goal more effectively. And if you can talk like that and not be overly invested, and this is where identity, man, is rough. I've heard it said, I forget by who, but when you touch on someone's identity and say, that's a problem, or you're not as good at that, good at that as you think, Ooh, that's when you light people up and they get super defensive. So getting past some of that to be like, oh, I really believe in the goal. The goal I believe in. Anything else that we get into, ah, I'm open, right? So, um, but that's hard. It's not easy for people. Like your identity has all these tendrils. It's all these weird things, right? Like you were saying, oh, I'm a saver, but I have a value that's that saving is good. So when you say I'm not a saver, I'm like, oh, I'm not something that's good. Ah, like it gets hard for people to own that there are parts of their personality that don't serve their goals as much as they would like, but they're, they are still real. All right, want to move on to the next subject. You want to talk about kids? Sure. All right. So um, me and you always thought we were going to have kids when we got married. I actually wanted four. I think you wanted two. Um, but from the get-go, I mean, people may not know this about you, but right up until we, we thought we were going to have kids, you were reading children's books, parenting books. That's what you were asking for 100%. Christmas. My mum bought you with utter excitement. She thought she was going to be a grandmother. So she bought you every book under the sun. Um, and we discussed it endlessly about how we were going to bring up our kids. And we did it before we have children. And that was a big... We did it before we even started trying to have children. Right. For those people at home, though, we never did stop right. trying. Right, not trying. <laughs> yeah, but I just right. wanted to like, make that clear. Um, but right, that's exactly it. Before we even started to think about actually starting it, we discussed everything. How we were going to discipline our kids. What religion were we going to br bring them up in? What was important to me growing up? What was important to you? And there were things that we actually had collisions on. Um, the one that comes to my mind is um, was uh, discipline and spanking. Mm. Yeah. So if you want to talk about that and then... Well, I mean, I will speak for myself. I was so rebellious and I've always had such a problem with authority that I would just push and push and push until I got spanked and then I would stop. Now, I, when I say it did not traumatize me, I don't have any bad feelings. I always knew my mom loved me. Um, and I remember... At 13 years old, my friend Justin Angove comes into school one day 
and he was all excited. He's like, my mom tried to slap me and I blocked her and she burst into tears. She's never going to slap me again. And I was like, that's genius. I've never thought like I'm bigger than my mom now. I've never thought to, to block her. This is so <laughs> smart. The next time she tries to slap me, I'm going to karate kid the shit out of her and I'm going to block it. And that's just going to end it. And she's going to know who's boss from then on. And so it couldn't have been very long. The next day, probably, I remember standing at the front door. I'm pushing and pushing and pushing. I don't remember what she wanted me to do. And escalate. Ah, and then finally she goes to slap me. Boom, I block it. And you can't imagine how, feel, how good I feel. I am elated. And she goes to slap me with the other hand. Boom, and I block that too. And I was like, oh, like she knows what is up now. And then pow, she got me with the third one. And in the moment, like right then and there, I was like, mad respect. I see you, Bill, you. Like nothing but my mom is not going to back down. My mom loves me, wants good things for me. She's going to keep my ass on the straight and narrow. Just that fucking simple. I never got in trouble. I didn't drink, didn't do drugs. Like I was just in line. I fucking am so grateful for that. Like I'm so grateful for my mom and the way that she raised me. My mom didn't take shit, but she loved me to fucking death and she wasn't abusive. And so to me, there is such a clear line between keeping someone in line and being abusive. Like they, they are, they are a spectrum for sure. And I get it. Some people can spill. My mom never did always like, she never hurt me or injured me or anything like that, but she got my attention. And yeah. So anyway, that to me was like, yo, if a kid is going berserk, I'm going to give him a swat on the ass and to bring him into line. And for me, though, I was so fearful. So my dad did spank. Not much. I think maybe he spanked me once. I remember him slapping my hand once as well. And it broke my heart. Like, broke my heart. And I think it I, would have been the same for and, my sister. And I had a certain amount of fear. Um, and I know my dad loved me. and so, But I was definitely like, oh, don't get him mad. And he only did but it once. But that's the and point. He, right. But... I had the fear. And so my thinking is, I don't want to put fear in my kids, um, in their conscience, like that, in their conscience. Like that's just, I don't want to do that to them. But you have such a wonderful story that you come from the other perspective. So even like we had spoken about, well, do we spank them? Do we not? All I right. said to you that I would have probably slapped their hand, but um, I, I couldn't do anything else. But if you felt strongly that you felt like if someone was out of control or our child was out of control and you needed or wanted to spank them, I would have, I would absolutely, like putting myself in that situation right now, I would absolutely respect you because if that's something that you feel like you need to do, but I would say to you, hey, we have to be careful on what type of child you spank and how they react to it because I'm, like you're a rare breed in my mind. Like, I don't know how many other people are like, oh my, I respect my parents for spanking me, right? It's, it's unusual. So I would have worried that if you ended up spanking a ch our child who maybe was super soft, and you even said, right, your sister would have felt the same way. So, um, so as you can see, guys, at home, like this is something that we talk about and we're going to go back and forward with, but it's important to discuss because if when we have a kid, all of a sudden you spank and we haven't spoken about it, like would I have been horrified? Would I have had, like lashed out at you and now that child sees the fact that me and you don't agree on the punishment? Like talk about mixed messages to children. And that's one yeah. thing that we spoke about as well is if we ever disagree, never do it in front of the kids because we always have to be united. Um, 
but that the spanking thing was just one thing and then also the religious thing um we come from different perspectives, not necessarily perspectives, but different belief systems. And I was brought up Greek Orthodox, and that was really important to me that our kids were christened Greek Orthodox and that um, they learn Greek. And so you seem to be okay with, you know, um, coming on board with the, the culture. Um, but what would you say, let's say there's certain, like I know many people who especially like, um, I have a lot of Jewish friends and it's like, no, I just won't marry someone out of my religion because mm. it is important. It is important to me that my children are the same. So it's not even about their partner. They just won't look for someone out of their religion because it's important that their kids are the same. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Yeah, but for my, me, my thing with kids is I, I'm not going to be dogmatic. They need to think like me, but I'm going to always be honest with them about what I think. My thing was you were always super reasonable. You weren't dogmatic. You weren't, you know, um, 
like ultra fundamental or anything. So there was no like you saw beauty in a lot of it and you saw beauty in the ritual and things. And I was like, yeah, I respect all that. Like getting the kids christened and stuff. Sure. If that makes you happy, like I don't think it has any sort of ill effects. Um, you never asked me to lie. So it's like, yeah, you be honest. You do you. I'm not going to make fun of you or what you believed at the time. Like, hey, this is what your mom thinks. This is what I think. And you know, follow your thing. I don't really care. It's like, I want people to think for themselves. I want them to make their own decisions. I want them to, to chase beauty and poetry where they see it. And if they see beauty and poetry in the Bible, then go for it. But you said a really big key thing there is we respected each other. So you actually, you got christened. I don't know how many people know this, but being Greek Orthodox, I'd always dreamt about getting married in a Greek church and having that very traditional wedding. Um, and I remember when you proposed and we were talking about it, and I was like, hey, look, it's very important to me to get married in a Greek church. Um, and you're like, oh, I've, I've never even dreamt about my wedding day. So of course, then when it came to getting christened, you said, look, I will do what needs to be done for me to get christened. You went, like, I was going to say religiously, pun intended, to sit with a bishop once a week, twice a week, for weeks on end, to have classes in order to pass and have him accept um, you into the religion, and then he christened you. And you went in and you were like, look, if I'm going to do it, there was no resentment in you. You were like, you realized this was a gift. I think I was thanking you profusely, which is important versus expectation. I didn't Mm. expect you to do it. And then you were just, you were so into it and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And you went in with a stack of books and you were asking questions about religion and things like that. But at the end, I remember you saying to me, I hope, you know, this doesn't mean that I believe in God now. And please don't ever ask me to convert emotionally. Like I will do it for you so that we can get married in a church, but it's very different. And if your dad ever asks me, because that was a big thing, I was like, oh my Mm. God, I don't want my dad to know you don't believe in God. And you were just like, look, if your dad ever asks me, I'm not going to lie to him. And I remember you saying that. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, God. What if I hope he never asks. I hope he never asks. I was. But in that moment, I had to stop and say, Lisa, this isn't just about you. He's willing to meet you in the middle. Like, he's willing to do all this stuff because I've said it's important. Like, what he's doing for you is beautiful. And the fact that I can't now meet you in the middle and say, yes, you still should be who you truly are. And for me to ask you to be anything else, I don't think would have been fair as a partner to do to you. You weren't asking me to not have a religious wedding. So why on earth would I ask you to convert your beliefs? 100%. So... All right, now I want to move on to habits because I think especially right now, if people are stuck at home, um, difference in habits, I think, can actually start to probably... Yeah, this is a particularly weird time for habits and routines. It's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. We're so like, we have such a rhythm, but it's funny. If we worked out at the same time, it could be a problem because that's like your safe space. Like you, even I'm like, I'm in Lisa's gym, like, <laughs> oh God, I gotta hurry. It's so interesting. And the funny thing part of me is like, he's in the gym, <laughs> he's using my weights. <laughs> we share everything 50-50 except the gym, don't fuck with my gym. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that is a glimpse into our marriage, very much so. <laughs> um, I do think, so again, rules, communication, people have gotta talk about how do we use this space, right? 
So it is possible in the next 12 months that you spend five, six months on quarantine? Like, who knows, right? I am not an expert. I have no idea what will actually happen, but that is a very real possibility. Looking at the mutation rate of the virus and all that stuff, it's fucking real. So getting to understand how people effectively um, get their needs met in the space, I want to use this, like for instance, the gym would be a perfect example for us. It is very important to you, the gym. Now, the gym is using our language. The gym is meaningful to me. It isn't important like it is for you. If I missed a week, whatever, I don't fucking care. But like you really like make it one of your highest priorities to make sure that you get your time in the gym. So it's like if we were colliding and I was like messing up your routine because you use a lot of things all at the same time, it's like I would be very respectful of that and say, cool, I get it. She needs her space. Then on my writing days, I need my space. I can't have people fucking interrupting me. It drives me crazy. And so if we were in a small house where it was like during my writing time, you had to give me extra consideration, I would lavish you with praise for doing so because I want to make sure I reward that behavior. But I would also give you the gift that you want, which is I would, hey, when are you not in the gym? And then I'll go make my gym time around that if I have to work out you know, midday or really early, which thankfully for us, we're on slightly different sleep schedules. So for me, it's just I wake up and, and I'll go straight to the gym and usually I'm done before you even wake up. Um, but setting those rhythms, talking through this stuff, giving gifts, giving gifts, like want the other person to be happy. And then when the other person is doing something nice for you, lavish them with praise for that. And don't lavish them with praise because if this goes on for months, don't lavish them with praise in week one. And then by month three, it's just an expectation, Mm -hmm. right? Like you like it when I boil your water, which I haven't done in your house. I was going to say something to you today and I was like... Please do. I'm just totally out of the rhythm. I don't even go back there. So for the longest time you were boiling the kettle and it got to a point where I forgot to thank you because I was just... And I remember being like, oh man, he didn't boil the kettle today. Yeah, you noticed if I didn't do it. Right. But you didn't notice if I did do it. And I remember you said, and you're like, look, it's turning into an expectation. And I was like, oh my God, you're so right. I can't believe it. Since we've moved, so it's been what, maybe three months now, you haven't boiled the kettle. And then this morning I was like, I really want to tell him to boil the kettle for me. But I was like, I don't know how to approach it because it's kind of freaking cheeky for me to ask you. It, I'm so glad this, this came up. I'm so how, glad yes. this came up because here's the thing. one, now I'm just going to relate to you and people can watch and see how we talk. There is no malice. I'm not being passive aggressive. I legitimately need to see it to remember. And so I, and then once I get in the habit, then we're good. And when we were living here, I would walk by it every morning and I would see it on the way in and the way out. And so it became this thing where, and then I would see it before the gym and after the gym. So I would see it like eight times in the morning and I only had to remember one time because I would see it eight times before you woke up. Now, because it's in like a separate part, I don't see it. So I never just accidentally walk by it ever. So... Being reminded, because I want to give you a yeah, gift. Yeah, how would I, I want say to that lift to you, you? Hey, baby, I want to help you get back in the habit because you've told me that you want to do this for me and it is a meaningful thing. Mm. So, and look, the way that you say it will, of course, acknowledge that it is cheeky to ask and because there is, it's weird and nuanced and complicated. So saying like, hey, this is so cheeky, but you did say, and so like, I would love it if you, you know, did it. And then know that like, I might then remember once and then forget again for a week. And I want the reminders. 
and then once I get back in the rhythm, you, I'll get back in the rhythm because hopefully you'll have been rewarding me for doing it and then don't let it become an expectation because then it just sucks. It's just a chore. And that's exactly the words I had in my mind. I was like, okay, I want to say how meaningful it was to me, but I do recognize it is still cheeky for me to ask you to boil the kettle. But I hope, I'm actually really glad this happened because people can hear at home. Like I, we really do talk like this and most of the time it's, we try to at least, or definitely I try to have these conversations when we're emotionally sober, you know, because it's like, I can say to you, babe, I know it's cheeky. Like what's the, actually the best way for me to ask you this? Mm. And you just tell me, well, if you ask me like this, this is actually what will help. And if you ask me like this, and so we give each other the gifts in because we trust each other and we're not trying to manipulate each other. Um, so it's so important that we, that we have these open conversations. So let's go back to habits. Um, so people are at home, talk, so let's say they start talking about the communicating, what's important and then what's not. Um, giving the time, I love that. One thing is you were talking that we've spoken about that we did for a while um, when I was finding it hard to let you know when I was on, I was working and when I was off the clock because mm. we were working and living in this house at the same time, the studio. And I remember, in fact, I think it was in a relationship theory episode, I had the idea that it should be like the Brazilian um, restaurants. So, you know, in the Brazilian mm. restaurants, you have those like bring more meat, don't bring me little coop, like chip. We had done, I did the lamp. And mm. in, our, in the bedroom, I would switch on the lamp when I was, um, it was nighttime for me, when I was yeah. switching off work. So what you would do is you would come into the bedroom, maybe say something about work, see the lamp was on and be like, love you. And then you would walk back out. Mm. So it was an indicator to the other person without having to say the words. So as you were talking, if you're confined in this space, maybe there's certain things like that. Whereas like, if right, you don't yeah. want to be bothered, have the discussion, right? Because even in the words, don't want to be bothered, some people may get their back up by it. So have the things like, I need space, I need time to focus like using these types of words mm. i think will help that communication and then having that sort of signal that says cool when i do x it means i'm in work mode when i do z it means i'm in let's hang out mode let's talk about other things right. um so that was actually one thing that came to mind um but what about things like habits like and fad let us talk about this um leaving clothes on the floor and someone's messy the other person's neat so one thing is like, I don't want you to feel like I'm just bossing you about, pick up your clothes. It's like, because I know when we first met, you never made the bed. I always made the bed. Right. Which and, is madness. But we, it's right. And lunacy. the fact that you think is madness, I think is madness that you don't make the bed. Right. Like madness that you don't make the bed. How can you not make the bed? But we spoke about it and you explained. And originally I definitely came to it from a judgment perspective. Cause I'm like, oh. God, I can't believe Goals, it. which moves you towards your goal or not. Right. Like, and I'm, I'm all for it. And this is really what people need to be thinking about when it comes to this. So um, this is a perfect example because I think it's real. I think a lot of people are going to struggle with it in terms of clean up, don't clean up. So if you're in a relationship where one person wants things clean and one doesn't, I promise you, you are at a collision of values. One person thinks it is self-evident that you should be picking up and keeping things tidy. And one person thinks it's self-evident that to constantly be cleaning and tidying when something is just going to get re-messy the next day doesn't make any sense. So one is there's two types of collisions of values. Ones that can be worked through and you can come to a compromise or a new agreement and one where absolutely not, um, I'm not going to change. I understand your position. I understand it perfectly. Steel man. I got it. I can explain it better than you. 
and I still think it doesn't make any sense and vice versa. So let's deal with that where there, there's just no compromise to be had, which for us is being tidy. There, we, we have talked about it six ways a Sunday, but the reality is when things get messy, it gives you anxiety. So no matter what words, no matter how much logic I give you, unless you were willing to do the work to unwind that neurological pattern, it's never gonna change. So now is where it gets into, you're going to have to create rules around how things are handled. So is it that, like for instance, don't fuck with my part of the closet, right? I have a side, you have a side. You can do whatever you want in your closet. You can fucking clean it with a toothbrush if you want. I have my side of the closet. Yo, you don't have to look at it. Like it's going to be the way I want it to be. And that's that. I'm not asking you to deal with it. I'm not asking you to clean it. I'm not asking you to wash my clothes, nothing. But I am not, this is, I understand your argument, but I'm not willing to do inefficient shit. It doesn't make fucking sense to me. So I'm gonna keep mine the way that I wanna keep it. You're gonna keep yours the way you wanna keep it. And all public areas will default to a DMZ, which means I can't be messy in it. Um, by In this example, clean is, is an absence. So the default in there would just be lack of mess. You take care of yours, I take care of mine. Um, if you want the bed made and I don't, by all means, make the bed. And I won't touch it during the day. I won't mess it up, but don't ever ask me to make it. So basically it's don't And then cast... do, do get the bed ready after, because we sleep with diff, uh, separate blankets. Yeah, and so that's, that's another thing, because you're like, if you make the bed, then you have to make sure that when I climb back into it, I don't have to fuss with the blankets. Yeah, meaning when you make the bed, you, you will oftentimes actually remove my blankets from the bed, sometimes remove them from the room. And it's like, hey, if you're going to do that, I absolutely accept it. Don't make me hunt for my own. Like that, that's really like hashtag real talk. That's so disrespectful in my world that it's like, this is gonna be a problem every single day. If I have to go look for myself, I feel so disrespected. It's like, but that's interesting you. that like the <laughs> you do me. No, no, no. Me. You you do you. I'm not gonna yeah, stop yeah. you. But don't make it my problem. Right. Don't don't force your value system on me. Like we we have to to say we can't agree on this. I'm I don't need you to adopt my values, mm -hmm. but don't make your values my problem either. And it like even just in the tone you're using, like disrespectful, that's a big fucking word. hundred percent. Used intentional correct and i know that you use your language very specifically and i just want to point out though that from my perspective i never would have thought you'd be disrespected because i wouldn't have perceived it like that myself so like i don't think of you putting your socks on the floor as being disrespectful i just think you're messy but me not but me moving your blankets from the bed wouldn't have occurred to me that you would interpret it to be disrespectful. And so if we didn't communicate and you didn't tell me that, I would have been like, what the fuck is wrong with him? Like, why is he grumpy? Like, right, and we would have battled and we wouldn't have said the words and I wouldn't have quite understood because I don't see it like you do. But because you were very honest and open, instead of me trying to persuade you, like, no, 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 it's not disrespectful. I'm just like, cool, that's how he feels. I'm going to respect that you feel disrespected by that, right? And so if I can respect it, then I can go, cool, how do I choose to act? Because then it's in my control. I can choose to disrespect you, 
but know that I'm disrespecting you. Or I can choose to not make the bed or, you know, whatever. But in that communication has allowed both of us to understand where the other person's coming from. And then going back to what you said, then we created rules of engagement around it. So it's like, cool, if I make the bed, I have to make sure it's unmade before you get in. That's, a, that's an agreement that we've made. And so we don't argue about the freaking bed anymore. It really comes down to, like this one, where they feel the other person is doing it wrong, inferior, and making it their problem. So they have to deal with doing things a worse way. And they've never articulated it to themselves or to the other person. So it's just emotional reactions. And so... You don't understand why I'm getting upset that the, the bed is made and it's lovely and beautiful. And you're like, how, how am I in trouble right now? Mm. This bed looks gorgeous. He, he gets to walk in and see this beautiful room and I bet it makes him feel wonderful because that's how it makes you feel. And so you, you're just projecting it onto the other person without thinking through. When I walk in and I see a made bed, I either don't notice it or I think, oh, this is a pain in the ass. I have to like remove all the blankets and stuff before we can get into bed. I don't look at it and go, ooh, that's beautiful. Mm. So all the things you think I'm getting out of it, I'm not getting out of it. But until each person like really stops and defines it for themselves and then articulates it to the other person, it just becomes like that, the nagging and the bickering and the fighting and no one ever stops to ask, what are we actually fighting about? Yeah. Oh, actually, also, it makes me, as you were talking, making the bed, because this is how I was brought up. I perceived it as being a good wife. And so you walking in. Interesting. Right. Think about like the typical duties um, put upon, you know, stay at home women. It's make it cleaning it's cooking it's providing it's being there for people if i didn't know that you felt disrespected by me making the bed no no, I, no I don't feel disrespected by you making the bed sorry but, feel disrespected by you hiding my fucking okay, blankets but hiding your blankets very okay. clear um i would have felt though like but like I, i'm doing something lovely i'm like bringing my my half to the hole and you coming in and being annoyed by it would have yeah, it really upset me. Yeah, from your perspective, I completely see and understand. That's why people have to talk through it. Even the, um, the little nuanced where you said you found it disrespectful that I make the bed. And it's like, no, that's ah. not what I feel. And so this is where, mm-hmm. like, man, even sometimes when you've talked about it or you think you've talked about it, the words don't mean the same thing or a slightly different meaning was taken away, but it can really change the intent, um, because here's, if I were you, are you ready for what I would do? I would make- For the record, I don't make the bed anymore. But if you were going to. Okay. Make my side, my two blankets, maybe fold them in half, so all I have to do is unfold them. Fold them in half and then just put your blanket on top. Now you won't like that because it'll look lumpy. (laughs) But for me, it's like, cool, then you just fold yours open, fold mine open, and now we're in bed. Super easy, nice and simple. Can I say something? Please. You are with me because I'm (laughs) That just so touched my heart. Yes, that that is definitely something that bothers you. I feel like you know me so well. You feel seen in the avatar way. I do feel seen. (laughs) Oh, I see you. Well, Billyu, where can people find you? At Tom Billyu. Everywhere. On all the socials. On all the socials. YouTube, Instagram. Those are my most active. But Facebook and Twitter as well. And TikTok. Oh yeah, you're. Find your boy on TikTok. That's right. 
right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and always a pleasure. Spieling worlds. What spieling? Is that actually a word? Um, kind of. Yeah. Spiel. Someone okay. spiel. I've never heard spieling, but it. For spieling such um, great uh, advice. Appreciate it. Truly a pleasure. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Bilyeu. And if you haven't subscribed, please, please click that subscribe button down there. And if this episode brought you value, guys, please do like it and share it. And until next time, be the hero of your own life. Peace out. <laughs>